The views and opinions expressed in the following paid program are those of the host, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this station, its management, or owners. I'm an American soldier, an American. Beside my brothers and my sisters, I will proudly take a stand. When liberty's in jeopardy, I will always do what's right. Time to have a conversation about the things that matter to you, including the direction of our country. This is Conversations with Rodney Ferguson, brought to you by Crushed Red on the Big 550 KTRS. This is Conversations with Rod Ferguson and KTRS in the Big 550. So, did your team win the Super Bowl? It was a very close game. I know there's some happy people out there and there's some sad people out there. They're saying the Super Bowl was the most watched Super Bowl ever. They're saying there was only one thing that had better viewership in the history of the networks than the Super Bowl that we just saw. And that was the Apollo 11 moon landing in 1969. Nothing has ever surpassed the viewership for the Apollo 11 moon landing in 1969. So for those of you that tuned in, you were part of that history-making event. Our secretary has been out for an undetermined amount of time. I'm speaking of Lloyd Wilson, well, I'm sorry, Lloyd Austin, our secretary, who runs the Pentagon. So the Pentagon has been running without a head for months, and they've kept this under wraps for some reason. They haven't even identified who's running the Pentagon, let alone what the issues are surrounding Mr. Austin. So who is running the Pentagon? We don't know. At a very critical time where there's a war going on while we're passing a $96 billion spending bill to help fund this war, but nobody knows who's running it. Seems to me that they would let the number two step up, put Mr. Austin on waivers, take the pressure off him, and allow the Pentagon to continue at full strength. But that's not what's happening. In a recent poll, 86% of total voters polled said our current president is too old to serve. Now, we all know this. It's public information. It's made the wire. And if it wasn't for the second worst thing to happen, which would be the vice president to take that chair, I think it would already happen. But 86 percent, Democrats, Republicans, independents have said that Biden's too old to serve. I'd like to hear what you think about it. That's why we have our own poll. And you can do it through the text line, KTRS and the Big 550. So Trump came out with some very straightforward remarks regarding what he would do, specifically as it related to NATO. And this is not news, yet it's hitting news and acting like it's all. Again, he's been saying this for five years, that if the NATO participants do not pay their fair share, which means to pay what all the rest of us pay, then they shouldn't have the protection of the NATO alliance. And this caused a lot of criticism, especially on the other side of the aisle. And they're playing it over and over again like it's new information, which it's not. Some of the NATO allies are riding on the backs of the U.S. taxpayer. 
And that's really nothing new other than the numbers keep increasing. And he basically made the statement that we should not protect anyone that will not pay into the alliance and just rides on the backs of those that are paying. I mean, that's the American way. That's democracy in action. We're at a critical point in the numbers that have been put up regarding what we've done funding NATO. So when Trump makes the statement that he wouldn't protect anyone that doesn't pay, that is not new news. And on a separate note on the political front, uh, Never Nikki is still in the hunt. How? I have no idea. In any other race, she would have conceded up behind the front runner and thrown her support. But that's not what Never Nikki did or has done. She's moving on to New York and moving on to the Northeast primaries. This is Conversations with Rod Ferguson and KTRS and the Big 550. So everybody knows there's still a war going on out there. Israel and Hamas are still getting after it, and the dollars just keep going up. So our CIA chief is on his way to Gaza to try to intervene for the hostages that are being held as pawns in this war. Trump made the statement that he made NATO strong by holding everybody accountable, and we're sending the CIA chief over there to negotiate for the hostage. I mean, what's wrong with this picture? Back in the day, there would have been a separate, covert hostage operation to get our hostages. We've got the military manpower. We've got the money. We've got the expertise. But we're telegraphing what we do to the enemy. And when did this become part of the 24 news cycle? Telling the enemy what we're going to do. I mean, they actually leaked that we were going in. So, of course, it wasn't successful. If you leak to the enemy what you're doing, they set up on you, which is exactly what happened here. And being prior military and being in G2 intelligence, whatever that is, what's released to the UP wire is only about 5% of what's happening. Because 95% of what's happening is happening. In other words, it is a mission. It's usually done by one of the teams. The most famous team is SEAL Team 6. But if you're going to telegraph what you're doing to the enemy all the way down to the hour, how could the operation be successful? They just moved the hostages. Well, if you don't know their location, it's a little difficult to rescue. So we go back to what the voters want and what's important to them in this election. With the days flying off the calendar, the number one issue with all voters still is the border. It's not the economy. That's second. It's the border. So Texas has had to take it on themselves to build their own border wall in their state and then to back that up with Constantina wire in case somebody does get through the wall. And they had to do it with their own money with taxes for the great state of Texas. There's something seriously wrong here when the U.S. government won't support a state that has an international ramification problem with 87 countries coming across this border. And I've said this before. This is not a Mexican problem. These are not Mexicans coming across. There's 82 countries coming across, including China, including Russia. Our enemies are crossing daily. And what do we do about it? We give them a social security card. 
We give them full health care benefits. We put them up at some of the fanciest hotels in the United States. We educate their children. We give them food, clothing, housing, health care, Social Security, at the detriment to some of our own U.S. citizens. If we applied that money and those resources to the homeless, we wouldn't have a homeless problem in this country. Yet our homeless population continues to grow, and it does not get the support that an illegal migrant gets coming over the border illegally. There's something seriously wrong with that, and it would never have happened under the Trump administration. And luckily, thank God, we only have a few more months of this mess. But with 8 million migrants coming into the country illegally over the last three years, it will take decades to unscrew that, let alone the cost. But that's where we find ourselves. So in the upper Northeast, a couple days ago, it was 68 degrees and sunny. And today it is a winter nightmare. 16 to 18 inches of snow fell, bringing those towns to a grinding halt. Somebody mentioned climate change. Do you know climate change is still number one on some people's agenda? Climate change. When U.S. voters going to the polls and exiting the polls were asked what's most important to them, climate change didn't even hit the, it didn't even hit the radar. It wasn't even in the top ten. Number one, the border. Because people that understand that problem at the border know that most of what's coming across the border are our enemies, age 18 to 25, single, military-aged men. One poll had it at over 50%. Yet when you turn on the TV, you see kids. You see mothers struggling with children and luggage as they pull it through the sand, the dirt, and the water to come through our open borders. How many more have to come across? The cartels have moved the gateway from Texas to California and Arizona. I wonder why. They're softer targets. Texas stepped up, put up the Constantina wire, put up the wall with their own money, shut it down, so they had to go somewhere else. I mean, they're not stupid. They've got an unlimited supply of money. Nobody's putting any heat on them. If we catch a few of them, we don't keep them. We return them and release them. They know this. So the mules coming across with the drugs are just released back into the population so they can do it again. These voters understand that this is a national security problem, followed closely by it's the economy, stupid, from our former president. So number one is still the border. Number two is still the economy. And that's what they're voting with. And these polls are not even close. Trump is ahead by six points and gaining distance between whoever, whatever the other side puts up. The Democrats have even said Mr. Biden is too old to serve. They've also said he has mental capacity issues, and nobody has to tell anybody that. All you got to do is listen to his 
recent State of the Union address. So we just got the numbers on the market. I know it's going to sound crazy. We talked about 6% inflation before. It was up 3.1%, up, increase, 3.1% last month. What did that do to the market? It dropped the market 736 points on one single day. That's 3%, folks, in one day. You think inflation matters? Buying power? Just go to the grocery store and the gas station. Inflation is not 6%. We talked about it. We beat it like a dead horse. And now it's increased 3.1% in one month. It has no signs of slowing down. The market is efficient. It went to new highs prior to this. But when they announced that recently, at 3.1% increase in one month, it dropped like a rock, 2%. The market hasn't dropped 2% in one day since February of 2023, a year ago. In one day, we lost all that ground. On one word, inflation. This is Conversations with KTRS and the Big 550. The views and opinions expressed in the preceding paid program are those of the host, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this station, its management, or owners. All brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and blue. Now, back to Conversations with Rodney Ferguson. Brought to you by Crushed Red on the Big 550 KTRS. This is Conversations with Rod Ferguson and KTRS in the Big 550. And today we have with us David Herlica. David Herlica is owner-operator of Dominica's Brewery and Eatery in New Hampshire. And they're dealing with some weather up there right now, so I appreciate David joining us. And uh, I'm just going to introduce him. I've known David for 25 years. He's a very good friend of mine, um, and he is president and owner operator for Dominica's, which is a brewery and eatery in Oshawa, New Hampshire. David, thanks for joining us. Hey, Rod. How's it going today? It's good. It's good. Hey, the, uh, can you just start by giving us a little bit of background on how Dominica's came to be? Yeah. So I, I cut my teeth in the, in the brewing business with uh, my older brother. He had opened a brewery up in New Hampshire back in um, early 2000s. And uh, so I learned, I learned beer, which I knew nothing about with my brother. And we grew the business and um, we had this a different vision, my brother and I, and we, we felt that the market was looking for a high end craft brewery on a smaller intimate scale with amazing food. And so we got to work and came up with, tossed around some different concepts and some different ideas. And uh, Dominica's Brewing Company and Eatery um, was coming to life. And the vision that we have is high-end craft beer, uh, IPAs, New England IPAs, sours, lagers, um, big, heavy, uh, dark beers um, in a setting that's, super chill and cool with, um, you know, cool lighting and, and great atmosphere. And we're pairing that with a high-end American food. We're bringing in um, 
you know, some, um, some like cool salads and pizzas and, um, some, um, burgers and steaks and, and whatnot. And we're trying to pair the best of both worlds where we bring a high end eatery together with a high end brewery. Hence, uh, Dominica's Brewing Company is, is coming to life. Well, that sounds like a, a great concept. And I know it sounds like it'll do really well in that market is, as I understand, this is kind of a family affair. If I understand it, your your son is the brewmaster. Could you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah. So my son, Dylan, uh, when he was in high school, um, he wanted to work in the summer. So I brought him into the, the beer world, and he started sweeping and mopping floors and, you know, cleaning bottles and uh, learning from the ground up. And he was with me part-time for a couple summers for a couple years, and then uh, on his senior year in high school, he's like, Dad, I don't really want to go to college. And I, I'd, I'd really like to, when I get out, come full time and learn more about the beer business. So when he graduated high school a bunch of years ago, we, um, oh, geez, it's almost five years now, we, um, we had him apprentice under my former master brewer who taught him everything from how to mill the grain, what hops to choose, what to look for what yeast, what this, what that. And my son ended up taking over the helm as my head brewer, and he was actually in charge of the entire brewing operation uh, for a couple years, and he managed five or six uh, other employees as well as turning out some of the, the, the some of the best beers that we'd ever made. And his passion has grown to a point where, you know, he'll come to me and say, hey, Dad, I want to try this. What do you think? And it's sometimes it's some off the wall stuff, but I give him the um, the latitude to to run with his creative ideas, and he he will make some beer and he turns some product that people go, wow, who thought of this? And back at the time, I'm like, it's my 20 year old son. <laughs> That's so, awesome. That's awesome. And I I understand that you're also uh, uh, branching out into some uh, Napa Valley wines and some. Uh, some ciders, some hard ciders. Can you give me a few minutes on that? Absolutely. So he, my son started messing around with hard cider and I came in one day and he called it, uh, you're going to laugh on this one, but he called it prison juice. And I said, (laughs) what on earth is prison juice? And he goes, Oh, I made a hard cider. The ABV is 12 and a half (laughs) percent, which is unheard of. And so I was like, all right, let's try it. Uh, it was high octane. It was really, really good. So he started with that, and then he branched out into – he went out into the market and sampled some of the top hard ciders out there and said, I can do this, and I can make this better. And so we got into that. And then, once again, as Dominicos was coming together, he said, hey, you know, Dad, I'd like to try some wine. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So he wants to also do some some nice cabs and some uh, Merlots to start and bring in some Pinots and then uh, ultimately branch into a couple different white white wine varieties as well. Um, and I can't wait. I mean, I'm excited to see how the wines are going to taste because everything else he's touched has been absolutely fantastic. No, that's great. That could also bring in a different clientele than just, you know, that group coming in and wanting to, you know, drink beer. Um, might yep. bring in might bring in some of the ladies also. Oh yeah. Well, the idea here is so in the craft beer world, if you hang up a sign that says brewery, the craft beer 
market will come and check you out. If your product is good, you've got customers basically for life. The problem with the, the craft beer scene is the majority of the breweries that I've been to, and I've traveled all around the country, and I've, everywhere I go, I always you know, do some mar- quote-unquote market research and go out and check out you know, different breweries to see what they're doing and what their styles are and all this other stuff. The one thing that's lacking in the brewery market is quality food. You get your greasy you know, French fries and mozzarella sticks and, and um, you know, chicken fingers and things like that, but there isn't quality food. So in order to – the vision for Dominica is we want to be more than just a brewery. So we're incorporating the high-end food around it, and we wanted to bring in craft wine because nobody's doing that, craft cider, which several places are doing it, and then, of course, the beer – so that we can attract different clientele aside from the craft beer marketplace. So we're excited about it. We think the the lineup and the beer portfolio is phenomenal. It's very deep. We have about 150, 170 different varieties of beer that we already have recipes for. Um, We have probably about 10 to 15 different hard cider options that we're going to be producing. And so it seemed to be a logical next step for us to penetrate the market a little bit deeper by introducing the different wine options as well. So it's going to be pretty exciting. I can't wait. No, very cool. So at this point, do I understand that uh, uh, New Hampshire is, is, you know, your home base? What, what are, what are plans uh, to expand if any up and down the Eastern seaboard or in any other markets you're looking at? So the initial plan is to get, established with Dominica's in southern New Hampshire. We, we've kicked around the idea of opening a second location in New Hampshire maybe within the next 18 to 24 months, maybe on the seacoast to hit different markets in, in the state. Um, but we've, we've been talking with several people up and down the East Coast that are interested in possibly um, – replicating the Dominica's model in their market. So there's been some pretty strong interest um, all the way down, all the way down the East coast into Florida, as well as um, I got a phone call from a longtime friend who's interested in, in Mississippi doing something under the Dominica's brand. And we're, we're excited. We'll see where it goes. You know? Oh, that that's cool. I mean, that's really neat. 2024, again, is full of optimism. Uh, all you got to do is turn the TV off and, yes. and, and, yes. and listen to what, you know, is going on out there, everything. Uh, on the show yesterday, we talked about, you know, the different IPOs that are launching. I mean, they've already done 146 deals in January. So, wow. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's time to, you know, put COVID behind us, put this administration behind us and move forward. And we're all getting pretty excited about that. So you know, um, I, I I really think turn the TV off, put down politics, put down all the scare and fear tactics of the world. Raise a glass, whether it be a a, a nice beer, a craft beer, a cider, um, a glass of wine. Share it, enjoy it with friends, laugh, smile, enjoy a good meal, and look forward to tomorrow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know it's a busy time for you ramping up everything and 
getting ready to launch. And uh, we wish you uh, much success in that, and we'll be tracking it. Um, obviously, you're you're also a sponsor with us, so we'll be hearing a lot more about Dominica's, and uh, we'll get into a little deeper dive uh, at future times. But thank you for your time, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. Appreciate your time today, Rod. As always, it's great to talk to you. And we have a we have a bar stool with your name on it. So whenever you're in the area, your door is always open for you, my friend. All right. Well, that was David Herlica. He's with Dominica's Brewery in Erie, and he's up in Oshawa, New Hampshire, launching a concept up there that we'll be hearing a lot more about it. So I'm going to take a break, and I'll come back here briefly. If you have any comments, feel free to give them on the chat line. This KTRS and a Big 550. You may or may not agree with him, but he's always insightful and entertaining. Conversations with Rodney Ferguson returns. Brought to you by Crushed Red on the Big 550 KTRS. This conversation is with Rod Ferguson, KTRS and the Big 550. As we normally do, let's uh, open our show with prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day here in the South. Be with those in the Northeast that are going through this horrific snowstorm. Thank you for Valentine's Day. Be with those that are divorced and widowed and single as they go through this day. It's a tough day for them. Thank you for everything that you've done for us and that you will do. We know we're only promised one day at a time. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. So I wish everybody a happy Valentine's Day out there. This is not a great day for some people. Um, It is very unique in that it's also Ash Wednesday, which is falling on Valentine's Day, which I believe is one of the first times that's happened in a long time. A lot of the Christian community hold what's called the Naomi Banquet on this day. And the Naomi Banquet is biblical in the sense that they hold a separate party time of reflection and get together for the widows and for the single moms and for single ladies and for those that have been divorced. Churches hold this around the world as a Christian not a holiday, but as a day of remembrance for those that lost their loved one. So the left has also weighed in on their two cents worth on Valentine's Day, saying that Valentine's Day contributes to the destruction of nature itself. Now you got to dig a little deeper on this one. It's the cutting of all the flowers and the floral and the florists and how they are contributing to the destruction of nature itself by harvesting flowers this week. Um, That's a new one on me. I had not heard that one before. I think some of these guys sitting around smoking something they shouldn't, sitting in beanbag chairs, come up with this stuff, um, that Valentine's Day somehow is contributing to the destruction of nature itself, like it could. So on the political front, Mr. Mayorkas is facing a second Senate trial and has been 
formally impeached. Last person to be impeached, as you know, was our former president, Donald Trump. And back then, they were saying some of the same things they're saying now. With a quote from Chucky Schumer saying, it's a new low for the Republicans. And that is saying something for Chucky to come out with a statement like that, considering he's the king of new lows, along with his cohort, Miss Nancy. So on the sports front, Mr. Shaq O'Neal, or Shaq as he's known, Jersey was memorialized today and hangs in history as one of the greatest basketball players ever. Now, I don't know what Shaq makes on his extracurricular endeavors that have nothing to do with basketball, but I would venture to say that they far exceed anything he ever made money-wise in his basketball career. There was a car crash last night, and they decided to crash into a hospital in Austin, Texas. The driver was instantly killed when he hit the building, and he took several people with him that were in the hospital being treated for other injuries. We don't know the backstory on this. I'm sure it's forthcoming. And by now, everybody knows that the Northeast has been hit by the worst snowstorm in the last two years, causing massive destruction, power outages, and bringing that area to a standstill. So the Republicans were successful on their second try with Mr. Mayorkas, and this is the first time the Homeland Security Chief of the United States has been impeached since 1876. And he is accused of refusing to enforce the current border laws that are on the books. And for that, he will be found guilty. The Democrats did have a celebration this morning because they successfully were able to flip George Santos' seat. And they ran with that most of the morning, as you know. On the investment side, Bitcoin hit 51000 because, as everyone knows, when the market goes down, Bitcoin goes up. So when the inflation news came out yesterday and the market went down 726 points on the news, Bitcoin rallied to 51000 Crude oil is holding, but climbing a little bit at $78. Gold is right at 2003 an ounce. And silver is hanging right at 24, where it's been 23 and 24 for the past 10 years. The numbers are in on December for the border crisis, more currently called the Biden border crisis, with 302,000 migrant encounters in the month of December alone. And our hats are off, or should be, to the Border Patrol agents that have to handle that mess 24-7. 307,000 migrant encounters in the month of December by itself. The amount of marijuana, cocaine, fentanyl, and methamphetamine that has been seized at the border, whose numbers are unbelievable, 
only represent that which was caught. The rest of it made its way into our towns and cities in the United States, brought to you by the cartels that are really controlling our southern border. Biden made a very bold statement yesterday asking America, are they going to stand with America or are they going to stand with Donald Trump? Clearly letting everyone know that if you stand for America, you absolutely can't stand with Donald J. Trump. Our Second Amendment continues to be attacked. And yes, full disclosure, I'm an NRA supporter and have been most of my adult life. But now the great state of California has reached out to the credit card companies, and the credit card card companies will now be tracking gun purchases by individuals in the great state of California. California also made the news by wanting to raise the minimum wage from $16 an hour to $50 an hour. California wants a minimum wage of $50 an hour and are going to work legislation through the great state of California to get it. While 84% of the United States thinks that Biden is unfit to serve for a second term and has serious doubts about his mental capacity, Miss Nancy ran to his defense, and I quote, saying, he is a very sharp president, unquote. Well, Nancy, I got news for you. The only way you got to figure that out, all you got to do is ask the president, take a brain scan and make it public. It'll never happen. But that's what would happen if it was anyone other than Joe Biden. Inflation is still hitting Americans hard as we continue to discuss inflation. They actually said it rose faster than the economists expected in January. Now, there's a newsflash. Inflation is higher than they expected. Here's the punchline. Inflation is up 18% since Joe Biden took office. That's a punchline. A college in Florida has decided to add, of all things, conservatives to its board. And the left was quick to say, This is going to look like another Hillsdale College. The new College of Florida had the goal to actually add conservatives to their board. Shame on them. So those of you that use Amazon out there, the online retailer, did you know that 60% of Amazon sales come from entrepreneurial, independent, Small business owners, 60% are using that platform. So Target was quick to get their board together and say, we got to do something about this. So Target, as I mentioned earlier in a previous broadcast, is going to come up with their own version of Amazon Prime. It's going to cost you $25 a year, unlike the $100 that Amazon charges. And you will be able to order things through their website online through Target. So I wonder why California is leading in all these very interesting areas when they have their own problems. 
like San Francisco, sanctuary cities. You know, if you truly wanted to be a sanctuary city like California and San Francisco, and it is biblical. I mean, you can go back in the Bible, and there were places that felons could go to hide out, to not be accosted, to not be killed for killing someone else. You would go to a sanctuary city. Yet when Texas put up their border wall and continued to expand it and continued to lay miles and miles of Constantina wire inside of that, the cartels were quick to move their soft targets to California and Arizona and their borders. I mean, they're not stupid. They got to traffic those kids somewhere. They got to get that fentanyl across the line somewhere. So they're going to pick a soft target like California. But when Texas started taking the illegal migrant immigrants off the plane and put them in buses and send them to Los Angeles and San Francisco, California was quick to get on the news and say, oh, no, no, whoa, 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 whoa. This can't happen here. Well, yeah, you're a sanctuary city. Obviously, if all these immigrants, 300,000 of them coming across the border in December alone, are seeking asylum, they obviously would be welcomed at a sanctuary city, right? I mean, by definition. Yet California said, whoa, wait a minute, we cannot handle this. But they expect Texas to handle it. They expect Arizona to handle it. So now California is going to get a taste of what the Northeast got when they start busting them into New York City. It'll be interesting to see how they handle it. New York City just went to the nicest hotels they had in town who had a high vacancy rate and put the migrants right in there. Gave them a Social Security card, gave them health care benefits, let their kids come into the school, and then expected the school children under the age of 12 to go online and learn like they did in COVID for crying out loud. And they have all the benefits a citizen has. I mean, forget the problem we have with our veterans. Forget the problem we have with the homeless. Let's just walk them all in. Now, how long do you think that's going to fix the problem? They act like another administration isn't coming. They act like another administration isn't going to turn ice loose on this subject and send them all back. Repeal the cards. Repeal the benefits. Pull them out of school. And it's not the kid's fault. It's the fault of the governments in charge. And it starts at the top from our president that can't even navigate a flight of stairs up a plane or a podium, which we've recently seen him stumble and fall just to get from A to B. And if his family truly loved the man, why would they put him on spectacle in front of the whole free world and make a complete idiot out of himself on a daily basis? These are questions that are going to get answered over the next six months. There is momentum brewing, even though it's not being reported. There's a reason Trump is ahead 6% and pulling away. It's because you and me are fed up with this. When anything overcomes the economy 
and our security as a free nation, when anything gets ahead of that, like the Biden border crisis, it would send a clear message to everyone that there's a problem, but not to our president. The president said, oh, there's a problem at the border three years in? So guess where the president's going tomorrow? He's off to the border. Wow, we got a problem down there? Well, get me down there. Give me a break. This man is briefed on a daily, hourly basis by everything that's going on in this country. Now, whether 84%, 86% of us think he can mentally understand what's coming in those briefings, uh, we don't know. But he's decided that the poll numbers are low enough and the primaries have shown voter exit polls enough to say that the Biden border crossing is the number one priority for voters going into this election. So he has decided in his grand mental state that he's going to the border tomorrow and find out what the heck's going on down there. There's a saying called too little too late, and it's way too little, and it's way too late. This is Conversations with Rod Ferguson, KGRS, and the Big 550. The views and opinions expressed in the preceding paid program are those of the host, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this station, its management, or owners.